In 2004, the average time we spent on a screen before switching to another screen was about 150 seconds. In 2012, it had declined even further to around 75 seconds. And more recently, between 2016 and 2021, it had gone down to just, wait for it, 47 seconds. That's about as much time as it takes me to eat a packet of Haribo's. So why is this happening? We're living in an age of infobesity. We've created more content in the past 10 years than all the years before that. But our brains haven't evolved to cope with this flood of information. This is causing our attention spans to shrink. And no wonder we're all so overwhelmed. So on today's episode, we're going to be exploring the superpower of how to deal with overwhelm and to be more productive. My special guest on today's episode is Mark Struczewski. He has over 1,250 episodes on the Mr. Productivity podcast. He's developed an approach that balances practical strategies with motivational insights. He doesn't just talk about productivity, he delves into the nuances of why we struggle with it and how we can conquer these challenges. From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. So Mark, I'm intrigued by your name. Could you tell me more about your origins and where you got this really cool name from? Not Mark, Struczewski. Oh, that was an easy one. You, you're talking about Struczewski. Okay. Um, so my mother came over from Poland several generations ago. And by the way, I'm fascinated by surnames because if you go way, way back, there was no surnames. It was just Patty from England, Mark from Houston. And then someone decided, I guess they had a committee or something where they said, hey, uh, we need to come up with surnames. So I, I don't, I wasn't on that committee. I didn't get the email invite, but so I'm originally from Poland. Nice. I'm fascinated by surnames too. By the way, my surname Danda means stick in my language. Not a cool surname. <laughs> but in my religion, in Sikhism, a lot of people go, well, why are you guys all called Mr. Singh and, uh, and Mrs. Kaur? And there's a really good reason for that. Because actually, the reason was, at that time, there was a lot of focus on the caste system. And the only way you could tell someone's caste was by their surname. And so, in the religion, we were all told, abolish your surname and have this one common name. And that's why you have like 20 million Mr. Sings in the world. And not a lot of people would know that unless they are part of the Sikh religion. So I thought I would clarify that as well for people. So what superpower would you like to bring to this particular episode? Punching overwhelm in the face. That's a big statement. I love that. Overwhelm because... The world we live in right now, we're under so much pressure. We've got so many things we're juggling. So I think this is a, a great topic for us to talk about. And I know you're Mr. Productivity too. So I'm really curious to know more about this superpower. But before we do that, I want to find out about you, Mark. 
tell me more about you as you were growing up and what was the moment that really inspired you to start studying this topic even more? You know, I've thought about this a lot lately. And so I officially hung my shingle out as a productivity coach in 2011. And I just went on about my life teaching people how to be more productive. But then people kept asking me, how did you start becoming in the productivity space? And I had to give credit to my late parents. I'm an orphan. Both my parents have passed away. And I was raised in a house where there was very much structure. I was expected to do the chores at this certain time. I was expected, I couldn't go out and play unless my homework was done. There are shows I'm old enough, Patty, to remember before there were VCRs, cable TV, satellite. So you had to watch TV shows live. And one of the shows I'd like to watch was a show here in America called MASH, M-A-S-H. Okay. Funny show, but it was live. There was no, you couldn't pause the stream or pause the DVR or the VCR. For those of you old enough to remember VCR, you had to watch it live. So I had to go to bed right after MASH. So I had everything done, bath done, chores done, teeth brushed, homework done, everything done. So my parents raised me to be very structured. And I think that's why when people go, why are you so naturally gifted productive? I got to give credit to my mom and dad because they raised me this way. Uh, on time was being late. You always show up early. So I was at the on this recording like five, six minutes early because that's the way I was brought up. I was brought up. That's what you do. And so as a 58-year-old solopreneur, it's very natural for me to maybe not always verbalize it, but I'm like, this person is annoying me because they're not being productive. So that's, that's what I think. Oh, then I'm in the doghouse because I was late. And <laughs> I wasn't going to, I wasn't referring that, but if you want to admit that on your own show. <laughs> and Mark, by origin, I'm Punjabi, so the Northwest of India. And Punjabis have a reputation for always being late for everything. So I'm going to put it down to my culture and not blame myself on this one. There you go. <laughs> we were just born this way. No, no excuse. I am always late, though. Uh, my colleagues will often remark on that, and I need to do better. So that's my New Year's resolution for this year. I need to be on time. Well, what a phenomenal story. And uh, the, the fact that you've had that experience of having to structure your life and be on time to then take that forward and be able to teach others how they, too, can do that. Why is overwhelm such a big problem, do you think, in the world that we live in at the moment? Because we let it become a big problem in our world today. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and we didn't have these things called smartphones. When I was in the 12th grade, which is 19, 1982, 1983, just, I, I can't say 82, 83 anymore because I'm getting up in age, and I got to let people know this is the night. It started with 19, not 20. The big thing for me in senior year of high school was computer lab. Apple II computers. And now you're born and you're heading to the iPhone and the iPad and the MacBook and welcome to the world. And I think we let people, we let ourselves, I say, should say, become overwhelmed. You don't have to be on TikTok. You don't have to be on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or Snapchat or X. You don't have to watch TV. People are losing control, not so much because they're losing control, but because they're giving up control. I got to check in on TikTok. Who says you're going to die? Is there a gun to your head? No, we choose to. So I think the reason why so many people are overwhelmed is they look in the mirror and whatever reflections back at them, that's the source of your overwhelm. 
is so true. I see this with my kids. They're forever needing to play on their gadgets or checking their phones. And that's just the kids. Then you look at the adults and we're so bad. I saw this great video of Simon Sinek recently, and he took out his phone, making the point that even if you take out your phone and you put it on the table in a meeting, and it might be faced upside down, the people in that meeting will probably feel like you're not going to be giving your full attention. The fact that you've put your phone on the desk, and even though you're not looking at it, it's still a signal that my phone's important, and that's why it's there. And I totally concur the fact that these gadgets are really driving this behavior. And so anything we can do to break out that cycle is great. Let me just interject right here if I can. I challenge your listeners to do this exercise. It's really simple. Watch television and don't have your phone in your hand. The joke in our house, and my wife knows this, she works with me in the business, is I ask her, what does she want to listen to on TV tonight? Think of what I just said. What do you want to listen to on TV tonight? Because she's got her phone and she's playing her game and she's scrolling on Instagram. And I'm like, why can't you just watch the television? Back in the day before we had these gadgets, that's what we did. You didn't pick up a newspaper. You used to watch the TV. So I encourage people, see if you can watch an entire TV program. And I'm not talking about a three-minute video on YouTube, which would be your device. Pick an hour program and don't pick up your phone for an hour. Most people go, I can do that. And two minutes in there, they're on their phone because they don't realize they're grabbing their phone. I'm like, that's an exercise I think everyone could take out of this episode of your show, Patty. See how long you can watch a television show without picking up your phone. I promise you, it's going to be much more difficult because you're going to think, oh, it's been five minutes. Oh, it's been 10 seconds because you have no concept of time. So that's my challenge to your listeners. I might try that one myself, actually, because I was thinking <laughs> last night when I was watching a series on TV, I had my iPad on my lap. So I'm just as bad as anyone else out there. So, hey, this is a problem we all have, folks. It's not just you if you're thinking you're the only one. And so what are some of the ways in which we could start to break this habit of being distracted? Number one, you got to choose. It sounds like a simple statement, but you got to say, okay, I am no longer going to let my devices, because uh, it's never one, it's always multiple devices. I'm not going to let them control me. I'm going to control them. Because the funny thing is, Patty, if you take your phone, you turn it off, you won't get any notifications, you won't get any buzzes or anything. And I think we need to make decisions saying, okay, I've had enough. I've had enough of the stress. I don't need to check TikTok every 30 minutes. I don't need to check X or Facebook. I, I don't need to check my instant messages. I'm going to choose to take a break. Now, if the phone is part of your body, it's going to take you time. So start small. So maybe you don't do that one hour exercise I gave you a few minutes ago. Maybe you go, you know what? I'm going to do it for 15 minutes or maybe 10. And then you do it like, oh, I did it. And you do 15, 20, 30, whatever. But you got to make a decision. The second thing you need to do is... If you have a modern phone, like I have an iPhone 13, it's got focus mode. Uh, Android, I don't do Android. Android probably has it too. Where you can say, when I'm in this focus mode, I don't get any notifications. Now, if you're not familiar with focus mode, is like do not disturb, only you get to customize it. So I like to always have my credit card apps turned on. Credit card app, I only have one credit card. 
Now, I have them all turned off right now, so nobody gets through right now because I'm on your podcast. But you need to say, okay, what do I need to be alerted to during this focus time? The other thing, the third tip you can do is what I call a notification cleanse. Many people have so many notifications turned on. And notification cleanse means you go through every app on your phone and you go, okay, do I need this notification turned on? Is it going to serve me or is it a distraction? Now, I can't tell you what ones you should have on and which ones you shouldn't have on. You need to make the determinations for yourself. But here's the other thing. In all the modern cell phones, it's just not notifications on or notifications off. It's like, okay, I want it to come on my phone, but I don't want it to buzz me or I don't want it to make a sound. So you can have the notifications. Like if I didn't have my phone on the focus mode, I call it going live. I got a focus mode going live. It turns everything off. It's face down. So I wouldn't see if something pops up on my screen because I would have the sound turned off, but I also don't have the vibration mode on. This is a phenomenon. If you, tell me if it's ever happened to you before, Patty. You have your phone in your pocket. Did it buzz? Did it vibrate? And, and it's actually a real thing. You reach into your phone and you're like, oh, no, I didn't get a message. But, well, I got it out. Let me check Facebook, Instagram, and you go down that rabbit hole. So what I tell people, turn off vibration mode on your phone. See, if I'm in a meeting with you, Patty, and I have my phone on, it's not on Do Not Disturb. It's just regular on. I don't have a lot of notifications turned on. But my vibration mode is not turned on. So if I'm talking to you, we're out at lunch someplace at the pub in, in England and my phone's face down and I get a notification, if it doesn't have sound on it, I won't know it hits my phone because my phone doesn't vibrate. I tell people disable vibration mode immediately because here's the funny thing people don't understand. If you mute your phone, vibration still vibrates. And guess what? There goes your focus. The final tip I'll give your listeners is keep the phone Unless you're disciplined by, like me, and I'm not bragging. I've done this over years and years. I've gotten disciplined. My phone does not control me. If your phone controls you and you want to write your book, be on a podcast, whatever, put the phone someplace where you can't see it because you alluded to that earlier by having it seen. So maybe what you're at the meeting, maybe you put it on do not disturb, turn vibration mode off, and then put it in your pocket. So then no one knows you have the phone and it doesn't disturb you. So those are several ideas for your listeners. Oh, that reminded me way back in the day. I used to have one of those BlackBerry devices. Do you remember those? Okay. Those ones with all the keys? Yes, I do. Never had one, but I remember them. I used to feel so important with that device because only business people <laughs> had them. And it was almost like a sign of status. People with the BlackBerry, they were very busy people. But physical keyboard. Yeah, the physical keyboard. <laughs> but what they also had was they would have this light it was like a flashing light. And so when you have no notifications, it used to just blink green. Every now and again, it used to blink green. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was the most horrific feature ever because, like you say, when you see that there's a notification, you want to grab your phone. So I used to be sat at the yes. dinner table. And as soon as I used to see that light go red, because it used to then blink red, <laughs> that means you've either got a new email or there's something that's come in and Straight away, I'd be wanting to grab it. The prime minister is calling you. The prime minister is calling Patty. You got to answer that question right away. 100%. <laughs> and honestly, whoever thought of that idea, they clearly hadn't understood human nature. And so it was terrible. Or maybe they did. Yeah, maybe they, they just wanted to make us suffer. And uh, 
yeah, try and break up families and stuff. Anyway, unfortunately, Blackberries are no longer, I don't think. So I don't know, maybe that had something to do with it. But on a serious note, what about overwhelm at work? So we've talked a little bit about gadgets and how gadgets can be really distracting. What about when we are faced with an overwhelm of work and we're getting lots of tasks thrown at us? We've got all of these different emails coming in. We're not quite sure where to start. We do a little bit of one thing and then we start another thing. Any tips and advice on that? Because I know that is a massive problem that me and my colleagues are facing at the moment. Well, we've all heard the term multitasking and there's like one one hundredth of one percent of people that can truly multitask at the same time. And those of you who don't know what multitasking came, where it came from, back in the day, they would have machines that would actually multitasking, but it would do it so rapidly. It would do this task, then this task, and this task. But we took that for our vernacular and said, I'm multitasking. Multitasking is not walking and chewing gum at the same time. Multitasking is using brain power to do multiple things. And most of us, like 99.99% of the world can't do that. So what I tell people to do is do one thing at a time. And I know you're going to ask me some resources in a few minutes here. I got some resources for people for that. So, but you focus on one thing at a time. Keep the tabs closed that you're not actively working on. Because you mentioned that blinking light on the Crackberry. That's what they used to call it over here in America. I don't know if they called over that in England. What happens is if you keep the Facebook tab open and the Instagram tab open and the X tab open and they get that little red dot that says you got a new message, your eye is going to go, that's urgent. That's urgent. That's going to save the, the humanity of the world. And so close those. If you're not working on social media for your business, close those tabs. If you don't have to be an email, whether it's Gmail, because I use Google Workspace for business, so I use Gmail ad-free, or Outlook, or some other email program. If you don't have to be in your email program, close it. So keep only the stuff on your computer that you need to work on for the task. Now, I'm going to go old school on you, Patty. So people go, what if someone says, can you do this, and you do this, and can you do this? Well, you get one of these things called a pad of paper and one of these things called a pen, and you keep it right next to your work area. So when Johnny comes and says, hey, Patty, can you do this? You write it on your list. Just write enough that you need to do. Maybe you have to reach out to Patty at the end of the interview, and then you go back to your task. So you haven't forgotten that you're not relying on your brain, but you're writing it down. What a lot of people do, they'll pause the one they're working on, go work on what Johnny wanted, then they'll go back to their old task. The problem is your brain has this residual effect because you were working on this project. Now Johnny asked you to work on the project, so you left that to work on Johnny's project, but your brain is still connected to the task you were working on. So you finished the project for, or task for Johnny. Now you go back to the original project. Well, now your brain goes, okay, wait, we were on your project. Now we're on Johnny's project. Now we're back to our project. And your brain is like confused. So I tell people, Stick to one task at a time. And if you have to stop the task, let's say Johnny really needs your help or he's going to melt and, and vaporize and go away. So what you do is you try to get your current task to some stopping point. In other words, you close the circle. So then if you don't ever go back to that project, it hasn't been left like hanging. Because let me ask you this, Patty. Has this ever happened to you? You get interrupted. 
And then while you're interrupted, you get interrupted again and again and again. So you're going further and further and further away from your original project. So I always say before you break away, bring that current project to some sense of a stopping point. So then when you come back to it, you don't go stop in the middle of the sentence. What was I thinking of? Get to the end of the sentence so you don't go, oh, I knew where I was going. Absolutely. And I have to say my day today has pretty much gone that way. I started off with one goal and it was very focused. But throughout the day, things change. We had this urgent client proposal we needed to get out and it has to be done in the next day or two. So that took priority. And then I had to submit a report, my month end report. I had completely forgotten that has to be done today. So then that's come into my inbox and then a few other things along the way. And then I haven't actually finished the goal that I was supposed to get done. So I'm probably going to be working late today. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I am not surprised. But yeah, absolutely. And by the way, there is a Johnny that works at my company. So it's not that Johnny oh. that we were talking about. <laughs> okay. okay. So in terms of research, what's the research telling us in terms of overwhelm? Have you looked into that much to see how bad things are at the moment? Because I constantly hear that our attention spans are shrinking and the world is pumping out more and more information, more and more data. And so we're having to deal with so much more. Is there any sort of stats and research that you've come across that's interesting? Microsoft did a survey a number of years ago, and they have determined that the human being has less of a attention span than a goldfish. And if you want to know what the attention span of a goldfish is, it's eight seconds. Now, I don't see this getting better because we're getting gadgets and apps and games and streaming services. If you don't take control of it, and I mean you, me, and your listeners, it's not going to get better for us because everybody wants attention. Matter of fact, one of my favorite entrepreneurs to follow is Gary Vaynerchuk. And he says, it's all about attention. Attention matters because without attention, it doesn't matter what product you're selling. It doesn't matter who you are without attention. And because of this, people are like me and you're like me and your listeners are going me. And, and so we hear all this and we get overwhelmed and over and it just keeps getting, it keeps uh, replicating like a monster or a virus. We need to say, all right, I am choosing no longer to participate in the overwhelm game. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't have this all figured out, okay? But it is possible. Cal Newport, he wrote Deep Work, Digital Minimalism, two of his best-selling books. He's not on social media. He doesn't go on all these platforms, and he's very successful. He writes books, and he teaches at uh, Wharton, I think. So it is possible, but you, again, remember what I said earlier, you got to choose to say, I am not going to participate in this overwhelm game. I'm not, I'm out, I'm tapping out, I'm done. And if a lot of people start doing that, a lot of people, instead of picking up their phone and scrolling mindlessly and endlessly on TikTok, maybe they'll start changing. Who do you think came up with endless scroll? Social media, because you never get to the end. There's always something else to watch on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram. That's by design. That's not like, oh, look what we discovered. I'm sure the guy with the BlackBerry. That was by design because they want you on the BlackBerry. They don't want you spending time with your family. That's really interesting because, like you mentioned, it's only going to get worse. They're trying to put screens into glasses 
that'll be scary. If I'm walking down the street and I'm wearing my glasses, I don't want to be surfing the internet at the same time. I need to see where I'm going. And then we've yeah. got Elon Musk who wants to put chips in our heads as well. Maybe the matrix is coming. Let me tell you something. I think it's fun to read a book and learn. I don't want someone to just go zap. Okay. You know how to speak fluent Russian. The joy is learning, not just giving me this, the, the key. I think people are always on an endless quest for shortcuts. Eh, maybe you don't do so many shortcuts. I'm just saying, maybe you go through the process, go the long way and maybe you'll enjoy the journey and maybe you'll learn something about yourself. And I love actually picking up a physical book. It just has that smell to it. It has the pages. It has oh, you're feel. a book smeller. Yeah. Too? Oh, I love the smell of books. Oh. Now I will tell you the only reason why I have switched from print books to Kindle books is because I have a birth defect. I was born blind in my left eye. And so when you get a book, it may be normal font or it may be microscopic. So with the Kindle, I can have the font size large enough so it's comfortable for me to read. I love print books, but I remember I got the book and ran Atlas Shrugged. And the book was like a billion pages and I got the paperback and the, the font size is like a point one. I'm like, I can't read this book. And so with the Kindle, I get to choose the font size. That's the only reason why I use the Kindle. And are you a fan of Audible books where they actually read them to you and, and, and you can listen to them? Or are you still more of a reader? I'm more of a reader, although I canceled my Audible subscription because I used to listen to it on my runs. But some days I would listen to a book and some days I would listen to music and some days I wouldn't listen to anything. And I'm like, you know what? I've got so many audiobooks. If I really want another book, I can go buy one. My cousin, he's got like, I don't know, like a billion credits on Audible. He's never going to go through them all. So I'm like, you know what? If I want a book, I'll go out and buy it. Because you could, people know this. You can still go to Audible and you can still buy a book, like not be a member, and you can still download the book. They'll still gladly take your money. They're not going to say no. And my problem with Audible books is when I get to a point that's really interesting, I'm desperate to write it down. But like you say, I might be yes. jogging or I might be out and about and then you miss that opportunity and then often you forget. And I'm sure there's ways you can bookmark those sections and stuff, but it's then getting the phone out, trying to figure out how you do yep. it. And then you think, well, I might as well have just read the book and just put a little <laughs> post-it note in there. So that's really interesting one because I do hear a lot of people like to listen to books, but I have to say I am still more of a reader myself and like i said probably mm -hmm. physical books but i do now look and use my ipad a lot more as well for the digital content which, which is great because you can do searches and things like that that's always useful isn't it when you're trying yes. to figure stuff out 100 yeah or if you come across a word you're like what does that mean all i got to do is press and hold it on my kindle and it pops the definition but pops up to me so i, I like that and how do you stay ahead of the game and relevant because look you're a professional you're an expert in your field what are your approaches to learning for yourself do you immerse yourself in lots of research what are some of the ways that you tend to learn one of my non-negotiables is to read 60 minutes every day and when i say non-negotiable non-negotiable i will read for 60 minutes every day now what doesn't count are blog posts tweets whatever you want to call them i mean reading a book like I'm reading a book right now, Edward Snowden. Uh, I know you probably know that name. The guy was the CIA and he lives in Russia or something like that. And so 
I tell people the best return on investment is reading a book. I bought Deep Work by Cal Newport for like 20 bucks. If I got on a Zoom call with Cal Newport and he read the book to me, I probably have to pay him like 10 grand. So I think books are the best return on investment you can spend. And so that's why I read every day. People go on my podcast, you ask such great questions. I'm like, because I read a lot. When you read a lot and you learn a lot, you can't help but be a good conversationalist because you're learning all these things. People go, oh, I just scroll on TikTok. Yeah, and I can tell from the way you talk, you talk like you say very few words because you're not well-read. I think there's something to be said about reading every day. And that Cal Newport book, I've skimmed the book. I haven't read it deeply. Well, maybe I should. A bit of a <laughs> pun there. Where are some of the big learning points from that book? Because it sounds like that's a good one for people to check out. We already talked about it on the show is you have to choose to do deep work. No one is going to give you the opportunity to do deep work. Social media isn't. Your phone's not going to. So the whole premise of the book is the deep work is powerful, which means you just get fully focused on something, whether it's for 30 minutes or for three hours. The time limit doesn't matter. The point is you have to choose. Because nobody is going to say, hey, Patty, I'm going to gift you 90 minutes of deep work time so you can do. They're not. You have to do it. So the one overall principle of the book is if you want to do deep work, if you really want to write that book, if you really want to write a killer blog post, if you really want to learn whatever it is, you have to say, I am going to go into this mode of deep work. I saw a, uh, on LinkedIn recently, someone else used the term monk mode. All it means is you're not on your phone. You're not scrolling anything. You're not watching YouTube videos. You picked out a project, a task, whatever you want to do, and you're fully focused for however long you want to work it. The, the people get caught up in how long's my deep work? Time should be 45 minutes, 90 minutes, three hours. You probably can't do more than three hours. That's a long time to sit and do the, the project. But that's what the whole premise of the book is. I recommend everyone read deep work. Oh, fantastic. And Mark, you're at an age you were mentioning at the start where you're a solopreneur. We were talking off air just before we started about how much you love the work that you do and how much you enjoy. If you had to give somebody who's just starting off their career one big bit of advice, what would that be based on all the experiences that you've had? Do what you love. I can tell you that people who do what they love are generally more happy Happy people tend to be more productive people. So a lot of people get into starting their own business, a website, what's my name going to be? What's the URL going to be? Listen, is it something you love to do? I am not a Mark Zuckerberg. I'm not an Elon Musk. I don't have billions of dollars in my bank account, but I can tell you, and we were talking about this before we went on the recording, I feel I'm one of the wealthiest people in the world because I'm happy. And... Gary Vaynerchuk, who I really admire, says he knows people who make $50,000, or in your case, 50,000 pounds a year. See, I know it's pounds, not euros. See, I know. Uh, who are happy because they get to spend time with their family. They get to go to the kids' rehearsals or ball games. And he says, I know people who have $50 million in their bank account are miserable. So I think people need to choose happiness above all else. So before you go on the endeavor, don't look at the money. Go Am I really going to enjoy this endeavor? The answer is I'm not sure or I'm not, 
uh, maybe don't go. Because when I got fired from my job in 2005 and became a solopreneur, I'm like, yes, here comes the money in the private planes and the private islands. I still don't have that stuff. Okay, because people are like, who are you? And it took me many years to find out who I was. So I just say, do what you love and be happy first. Chase happiness. Don't chase money. Oh, what great advice. I love that. And hey, you've been doing some amazing work. You was mentioning you've got over a thousand episodes on your podcast. And that clearly shows a passion because podcasting is not an easy thing. A lot of people think, oh, you turn up and you just have a chat with people. But there's the hours of editing and well, I don't know if you probably have an editor to do your editing, but I do all my own at the moment. And trust me, it's no easy task hearing your own voice in your headphones. And it's so cringy sometimes when you're trying to edit yourself. So uh, that's the worst. Well, I'll tell you this much is my podcast has got 1,261 episodes. I only say that because that's mind blowing for me. I do my own editing too. And in December, 2022, I stopped doing guests because I realized I didn't have to edit myself. I had to edit the guests because most of my guests were um, so absolutely, I had to edit all that stuff out. So what I do is when I go on someone else's show, I'm like, okay, I want to be so good so they don't have to do any editing. Because I know it's a lot of work. And if I kept saying, um, 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 hopefully don't take that off because it sounds weird <laughs> in context. But I try to do my best job when I show, come on someone else's show because I know the work has to go and evolve into the, the editing. So I can gift you by not making many mistakes, that makes your job easier. And so that's what I try to do. But yeah, you're right. It is a lot of work. And I would encourage anyone who's starting a podcast, don't aim for perfection. If you listen to Joe Rogan, there's mistakes. So just be yourself. People will fall in love with you because you're Patty or because you're Mark and Mr. Productivity. They don't want an artificial version of you. They want you. Oh, great advice again. And uh, I will not edit out the ums because they will then sound very weird, especially on that bit. Yes, <laughs> for sure. So, Mark, we're coming to the end of time. I wanted to ask you. Like the end of the world? Oh, you mean end of the podcast. Okay. Yeah, thank God, not the end of the world. Although whatever's <laughs> happening in the world at the moment, it feels like it's anytime soon, but uh, we won't go there. In terms of if people want to find out more, about dealing with overwhelm around productivity. First of all, what other resources would you recommend? And secondly, how do people get in touch with you and follow the great work that you're doing? Okay, a couple of resources for you. I know everyone says, oh, James Clear, Atomic Habits, must read. I found a book that's better. I, I know people who are Atomic Habits fans are probably having heart palpitations. The book is called Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. He's a behavioral scientist out of Stanford. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't read Atomic Habits. What I'm saying is Tiny Habits is a book that a lot of people don't know about, but it's all about creating the smallest step to creating your habits. So check out Tiny Habits. Also, Something else. Remember I told you that no, notebook you keep next to you and people write down, you write down when you're interrupted. I got turned on to a company called UGMONK, U-G-M-O-N-K. What this is, it's an analog productivity system. So I don't have anything to show you here, but it's a card. You have a card for every day. So you date at the top 
and you write down one to 10 things you want to do that day. I don't recommend doing 10, maybe three to five, the less, the better, because your day is going to go off the rails soon anyways. And you write it down. And then at the end of every day, you do the one for the next day. Now I only do mine Monday through Friday, but this sits right next to my MacBook when I'm working. So I don't have to wonder to go into uh, an app or something like that to find out what I have to do next. It tells me right there. Another one of my non-negotiables five days a week during the week is 10 value added comments on people's content. So it just sits next to my MacBook. So Ugmonk, U-G-M-O-N-K. If you are a Kindle reader like me, there's an app out there or a service, I should say, called ReadWise, R-E-A-D-W-I-S-E. What this does, it takes your highlights from your Kindle and it, you tell it how many highlights you want it to send to you every day. I have mine set at seven because most people don't go back and read their highlights. This service sends you your highlights every day. I'm like, oh man, I remember when I read that book. So those are three uh, resources for you. How you can find out about me, really simple, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. There you can sign up for my free Productive Life email newsletter. It comes out every Saturday. I try to embrace the simplicity because I know if I make it complex, complexity is a gateway to procrastination. You're not going to do what I write. So I try to keep it simple. comes out every Saturday. Now, Saturday morning here in the States, Saturday afternoon there in England, but it comes out every Saturday. And you can also read my blog, find out about the Mr. Productivity podcast. I also have a paid community called the Productive Life Community. I want people to live the productive life. So the Productive Life Community is live trainings every month. So you can find out all that and a little background information on my about page, some quirky stuff about me. It's all at mrproductivity.com. There's so many resources there. And I love some of those tips you've given as well in terms of the apps and the productivity system that you mentioned. My final question, Mark, and this is my fun question. If I could give you any superpower in the world to abolish something in the world of work for 24 hours, what might that be? Social media. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, you can do without social media for 24 hours, okay? I know that people are probably going, listen, I am 58. I remember when there was no social media and I made it. I'm still alive. So that's what I would like to do. Now, if I could add an addition, I would get rid of all like streaming services. So you'd actually have to go talk to people. Go talk to your neighbor. Go for a walk and say hi to your neighbor or say hi to other people on a walk. We're losing this face-to-face -face thing. And so that would be the thing I would get rid of. I think we need another outage on Facebook or something, don't we, to make that happen? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe we could coordinate the outage on all platforms at the yeah. same time. Any hackers out there, we're not encouraging you to do anything bad, but, you know. Wink, wink, nod. <laughs> as long as they don't wipe out the podcasting apps, I'm happy. Yeah. Yes. No, that's sacrilege. We can't wipe that out. There we go. Well, Mark, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you on this episode. I feel like I'm a lot wiser than I was at the start of the episode. And it's been so much fun. So thank you so much for being on the episode. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy. Now, I got to ask you one question before we wrap up here. Are you a football fan? I am. And I like the way you said football and not soccer. So that was cool. You've scored yes. some more brownie points with the Brits. Crucial question. Who's your team? 
Oh, okay. I've got to say it on air. So my team is Liverpool. Oh, no. <laughs> Half of my audience has just switched off now. But I live in West <laughs> Bromwich. And so really West Bromwich Albion are my sort of home team. And okay. hey, no one's got any beef with West Bromwich Albion. So uh, I'm sure I've won back a few listeners now, hopefully. Well, I will tell you I'm a Man City fan. And how I got into football is in August of 2022, I have a good friend of mine over in England. She lives in Sheffield. And she told me, hey, have you ever watched football? I'm like, oh, yeah, we call it soccer over here. And I, I used to play it. She goes, no, have you watched the Premier League? I'm like, Premier League? She goes, try it. So I watched the first game. And like, cause I always thought soccer was boring, football in, in, for the rest of the real world. And I played it when I was a little, little kid, right? And I'm like, oh, this isn't too bad. She goes, watch one more game. Well, I got hooked. And the only reason I picked Man City, because that was her team, I didn't know any other teams. I love football so much. I don't watch any American sport. I try to watch American football. I'm like, why are they always walking around and all these timeouts? So the, seriously, I'm not kidding you, Patty. The only sport I watch now is football. And if it's on, I'm watching it. I schedule my days around Man City playing because they play the Champions League and the EFL Cup and the FA Cup and all that stuff. I love football so much. And the bonus is your three o'clock games are on at nine o'clock in the morning here. So it's great. So I get to watch the night, like night games are at two o'clock in the afternoon here because of the six hour time difference. But I am so all in football. It is the greatest sport in the world. And I still like you, even though you're a <laughs> Liverpool fan. We will catch you, by the way. And that's, that's a rarity as well for Man City to say, we'll catch you, whereas they're normally at the top. So Hey, let us have a little bit of glory just for a while, just just for this short period. <laughs> let, let us feel that, what it feels like to be near the top. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, wow, I had no idea. So your kind of equivalent of social media is football. Like, that's your distraction then, I'm guessing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm. And I think I finally got offside in football figured out. Although, I same as you, I have a love-hate relationship with VAR. Uh -huh. Um sometimes it's just like, uh, but yeah, offside, they got really confused because in the beginning, if the guy can be offside as long as the ball has left the foot of the other player. And that was really confusing for me in the beginning. I'm like, guy's clearly offside. I'm like, no, he's not. I'm like, so, but yeah, I just love the game. I know it's, they're called footballers. It's not called games. They're called matches. So my friend in Sheffield, England really educated me on the verbiage. So I get it all now. It's called a pitch, not a field. I got it all, Patty. There's a whole glossary right there. You know what? I hadn't even thought about half of those words. So that's really interesting. Has any guest ever talked to you about football before on your podcast? Definitely not Americans. No. So you are in the Hall <laughs> of Fame on that one for sure, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> Love it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate your time today. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you, sir. It's the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please do connect with me via LinkedIn and drop me a message and let me know your favorite takeaways from the episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Superpower School newsletter so that you can be notified of all future episodes. Simply visit the website www.superpowers.school. Thank you once again.